anymore. It's definitely a pyramid scheme, though. But uh, you're going into it knowing that. Yeah. What's not a pyramid scheme in life? True. Is your insurance company a pyramid scheme? Right? Does it have a big company at the top Correct. that has agents? Absolutely. What about your Verizon bill, right? You know, I'm an AT and T man, but shout out to yeah, AT and T. Right? What's AT and T? Oh, you, absolutely. Yeah. What's an authorized agent in town? Then you could go. So I don't even have a dollar on me. It's multi-level marketing. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, that's the biggest one of all. Turn your dollar over. What's right there? A pyramid. That's right. To tell you, look, this There's is just a scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know Monopoly was invented to help teach people about the economy? I think I did know that. Yeah, during the Depression. And it lays it out clear. And where the real catcher is, is the bank can't run out of money. Right. That's what you need to learn in life. Sure. The Fed never runs out of money. That's right. And when they do, shit hits fan. Right. And, which is right what we talk about now. What What right. if it happened? Did you, how do you play that game? Because I didn't realize to very recently, right. having children of my own, didn't realize it very recently. Like, there's rules to like any time you land on a space. If you don't want to, in the rule book, right. if you don't want to buy that space, then it automatically goes up for public auction, and it gets auctioned off by the bank. So it makes the gameplay quicker, because those spaces are getting owned quicker, yeah. and so you can actually get property for lower value than what it's listed on the board. No way. I never played that way. I never again. played, but it's a perfect example, right? It's built to teach <laughs> you how right. it works. But I mean, there's way more levels to it than what we ever played. Yeah. Just roll the thing, land on it, go to jail, whatever. Yeah. You know, but yeah, there's way we're more. showing our roots here, right? <laughs> yeah. What we relate to is going to jail. Yeah. Buying property was never part of our. Never part. Never bought a hotel. None of that stuff. It was collect the loot and avoid going to jail, which is really a big metaphor. So no, it, it just some you can take a boy out of shit down. You can't take a shit yeah. down out of a boy. Exactly. Well, y'all, this is a perfect introduction to the very first episode of FM Mission. We are setting it. Is this shut down technically? Uh, maybe. Right. So there's a lot of uh, argument, I guess, or uh, there's a better word than I'm, I can't come up with right now. But there's there's a lot of disagreement, maybe, okay. on what exactly is pertains to Shedtown. I think typically anything south of Memorial would be Shedtown. Anything north of Memorial, this is what Avondale, Thomas Park, Thomas Avondale, Park, yeah. Avondale. That came about later. We're sitting at 8th and Hoyt, literally at the right. corner, y'all, so, in Muncie, Indiana. So this would be Avondale. No one ever called it that Yeah. Um, when I grew up over here. Like, there's Shedtown, there's Foxtown, there's Avondale, Forest Park. Um, the real gist of it, it was just all a bunch of poor people, working class poor people. And so it's all kind of Shedtown. Uh, there's people who lived in Shedtown proper, who, you know, like my family, who worked to get out of Shedtown. And then there's people who really pride themselves on... I'm yeah. Shedtown, yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna live and die here, type of thing. So, it's close enough to Shedtown to call it Shedtown. Well, again for the introduction, I'm sitting with Jared Case, one of the owners of the Guardian Brewery. We'll not get an owner, home. not an owner of the Guardian. It's okay, the yeah, Guardian. clarify. Yeah. I was gonna ask you this. So, yeah. this, how long have you worked for the Guardian? Well, the Guardian opened in 2015. Uh, Bill Kerr and Jason Phillips. Uh, Jason and I have known each other since kindergarten. Uh, Bill's his brother-in-law. They were home brewers. Uh, my business partner and I, Kyle, were home brewers as well, and they opened the brewery over in the White River Plaza, yep. um, little small two-barrel brew house in 2015. They were maybe open two months before I really started coming on full-time. I was there kind of from the beginning, from when they first opened, of kind of helping them retool and saying, hey, I think you should do this, I think you should do that. Uh, so Kyle and I came in originally as their R&D department. Uh, Bill and Jason were more traditional style brewers, old world styles. Um, pretty straightforward and Kyle and I were way more out of the box like putting Wix pumpkin pies and beers and like doing right. crazy stuff with beers 
And so kind of melding those two worlds together. So I've been with them since 2015, actually on a volunteer basis, just trying to help them get the business off the ground. It was a business I believed in, something I want to be a part of, and it was friends of mine. And yeah. so, as, as, how do you get the R&D job at a local brewery? You do it for free. <laughs> that's how you do it. But yeah. There's a... So again, I want to, that's a great introduction, right? From Monopoly to Shedtown. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and those principles apply in Shedtown, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sitting with Jared Case, again, one of the guys been with the brewery since the beginning. And uh, we're gonna, the reason I invited Jared was Guardian Brewery. This is a mission these guys have been on now for how long? Since 2015. So Five years. Yeah. For five years, they've been... been longer, I mean, before we even opened. So. Well, that's what we're going to get into is, I want to know how do guys sitting drinking beer in the garage making homebrew end up making a brewery like Guardian Brewery? That's what tonight's show is going to be about. Sure. So hold, hold that I thought. I give you all that. Yeah. Sure. And that's exactly one of the things for the listeners that I want to do, like I told you before the show, right, is sure. you have probably some nuggets of goodness that can save a wannabe brewer tens of thousands of dollars. Sure. Hopefully so. Yeah. Hopefully so. Um, but the Guardian Brewery, it's a local brewery here in Muncie, Indiana, 514 East Jackson Street. Now it's in the Mad Jacks uh, facility. Like I said, when you started out, you were over in the White River Plaza. Correct. And we'll come back to that. But uh, these guys, one of the reasons I had Jared on for the first one, this is the FM Mission podcast, and it's for people on a mission. I was telling Jared, and Jared knows, and I've known each other long, long time playing Longer music. Longer than I should admit, probably. We're yeah. Not, we're not that old. We're young men. I, I mean, I'm not sure I turned 43 the other day. All right. A lot more grays now, man. Yes. And we knew each other through the rock and roll uh, scene of uh, Muncie, Indiana. We grew up throwing shows, you know, around here and kind of into uh, life. We got we turned into old men, like That's you said, right. and started trying to make things. And I always liked, when, when one time I talked to Jared Longo, you were doing the punk rock prom at yeah. Doc's Music Hall. Yeah, having you on Doc's. Yeah. And uh, you were talking that night about it. You wanted to make something cool that you wanted to do, right? And Sure find things like this in Muncie, as we know, can be tough, right? Absolutely. I'm a believer in Muncie. You are, obviously. Absolutely. We're not here to trash Muncie at all, but really no. showcase it. Really a believer in wherever you are. Like, yeah. Like, I've had that same mentality really since high school, and a lot of the things that I've brought here or that I've done here wasn't an original idea or something that I came up with my own. I was somewhere, saw it, or saw a variation of something, and went, yeah. this would be really cool. And I don't want to travel two, three hours to have to go do something. Yeah, like you're right. You don't want to drive to Chicago yeah, and go to a... like we have people here who do awesome stuff. Let's just do cool stuff here. Yeah. And so, kind of taking those ideas and just applying them to Muncie. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've always done, right? Even when I took over, you know, Docs, is I brought back the ideas in Charleston that I went and thought, man, this needs to happen in Muncie. Right. right? We need to have a co- you know venue like this. And I actually, well, this is another whole episode, but I actually, you know, had originally bought Docs by reading the book How to Buy a Business with No Money Down. And man, it said if you see places that are doing cool things that need help, that's the kind where you can approach it and find an opportunity. Absolutely. And so I was, man, there's this cool venue in downtown that just needs a little help. Sure. So we'll get into that. Like so with Jared, he told me you know, that was a mission of his, right? Is that's what he was doing. That's what the punk rock problem was. And it always stuck with me when I was trying to craft out my sound, my brand, right? Is, you know, do things, Mike, that you'd want to go do, and don't worry about the rest of it. Absolutely. Because that's what you're going to want to go to. And there's other people out there that want the same things that you're wanting, even if they don't know they want it yet. Yeah, and right. some don't want it. Right. right. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Not everything's for everyone, man. It's a, that's a motto of the Guardian Brewing Company and all of us guys, is not everything's for everyone. It's just... Which is one of the things I want to go into because I believe you know exactly what you're saying. I know you guys right take that, but do what you do well then, right? Sure. That's the... Absolutely. So we'll come back to that principle. Yeah. So on 
the brewery, you kind of told me the same thing, right? Like, I want to create things that I want to hang out in, right? Absolutely. This is, and so that's what tonight's, I gathered, you were telling me in what I call FM Mission, and FM Mission is for people on a mission in arts, entrepreneurship, or activism. The common market where we're sitting here, just like you said, this came from an idea in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I walked in, I was like, am I playing in a grocery store? Right, and we were. Right. And uh, this little kind of hipster grocery, but same thing, right, taking those ideas, and so the kind of mission, right, that's the kind of place I wanted in Muncie. I said, man, I would love this in Muncie. There's old buildings everywhere. Right. You know, and hell, they're probably paying $10,000 a month in rent there. You know what I mean? It's Charlotte, North Carolina. Absolutely. But the same thing with you, and you made, when I left for Charleston after Docks and Folly Moon, there was no breweries really happening in Muncie. You know, um, New Corner was starting to do a little bit, but, um, you know, when I come back five years later, you know, to play one night, there's... You know, Elm Street Brewery, Guardian Brewery, back in my hometown of Fairmount, now there's Bad Dad Brewery. Doing great stuff as well, yeah. Yeah, right, and so it's it's happening, right? People are doing just what you said, and so that's what I want to share today. So that's that's why I invited you for the first episode. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. Happy to be here. Thank you. I, I'm glad you took the time, right? We were trying to get this down in between everything going on. We're busy guys now, Mike. <laughs> I know, right? We, we can't just rock and roll all night and play drums all day, can man, we? I wish I could, but I can't. I can't. We'll get back to that another time. <laughs> yeah. So... Tell me about kind of this mission then, right? I mean, you, you live here in Muncie, grew up here, right, in Shedtown. I did. Grew up in Shedtown until uh, so I was 12, moved to the north side of Muncie. Um, as silly as it sounds, it was a huge culture shock, completely different socioeconomic class, uh, exposed to a different type of person, essentially. Uh, schooling was different. People around me were different. I kind of got the best of both worlds in that regard. Yeah. Um, worked for an art store here in town. Um, yeah. Just my whole life. What was that art store? I'm going to get to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, my whole life. I was actually <laughs> telling another bartender of ours, it's like a really boring Forrest Gump story. Uh, like, so when you say like a mission, like it was never like I don't wake up in the morning and like hash plans and write things down. Like I do. You're not. That's not the same kind of mission. No, different kind of mission, man. It's just right. it's more like uh, I try to not to get too into it. No, that's I, tr- I try to be more leaf in the stream kind of guy and just kind of go where it takes me and yeah. apply myself where I can. Uh, so I worked for the art store, the Gordy's Art Mart at the time. I think I was 12 or 13. Won an art competition. So in seventh grade, maybe. Won an art competition here in town in the Gordy's. Yep. Uh, I went to school with their Gordy's son. Fine Art Company yep. here in Muncie, Indiana. Yep. Uh, when the Gordy's still owned it, they recognized something in me and kind of took me in and was like, hey, we'll give you free art lessons if you you know, want to sweep the shop every day type of thing. No kidding. And so I ended up being there for 11 years. Uh, working yeah. for the Gordies. So when I first met you, you were working at Gordies. Yeah, right? I worked there uh, all through high school and um, early 20s. And yeah, bar- you were probably 22, 23 when yeah. I met you. Bartended as well and did other stuff like that. Uh, but it was really just focused on the art thing, kind of was exposed to that world, um, which is a far cry from Shedtown. <laughs> it is. Just said, not that there's anything wrong no, with Shedtown. I, we're down. I'd lived downtown months before. I did. I'd lived in Old West End, but to be, and I called this downtown, and many people correct me. Yeah, right? it's not downtown. It is a different world, right? I mean, Absolutely. when I drive out to the north side of town and come back here, I realize these are two, they're two Muncie's. There's actually probably more like four Muncie's. Probably so, yeah. Like, if you really get into it as far as the needs of the communities here, um, yeah. you have, you know, your, your southwest side of Muncie is completely different than your southeast side of Muncie. Yeah, um, it is. Central Muncie, and you have campus, which is a whole, its own insular thing. Yeah. A university in the northwest side of Muncie is completely different than the northeast side of Muncie. Yeah, uh, and so it's really like it's like the boroughs, man. It, it kind of is. It's I like, love it's like five or six little towns, communities uh, that all centralized uh, around a one downtown area. Now, for a long time, it didn't. 
Yeah, um, and we'll get into that later for right. sure because. But now is around the downtown. Uh, but yeah, I was just saying, working for the Gordies, doing doing that thing, being exposed to that world, coming from blue collar roots, um, very working class, uh, Appalachian basically. Met yeah. all the people in Shedtown uh, are are migrated here to work in the factory. Absolutely see it. And so grew up with a lot of that, and then being exposed to this whole new world and a matter of things from like uh, Hank Williams to uh, Echo and the Bunnymen you know yeah. I mean, that's like a huge that's yeah. the world's recliding for me yeah. um, but I was able to apply, I think able to take all that in and apply that to create something else and then realizing like oh I don't I, I'm not I'm not a bastard that I'm from there it wasn't a shame to being from there and that was a part of what made Muncie cool to me was that it had a place like Shetown and it had a place like downtown and it had yeah. a place like campus you're being exposed to academia life and kind of being in all those worlds yeah and it's one of the reasons i still love muncie to this day and what brought me here from fairmount right which jared if you're not from indiana fairmount's a tiny little town about a half hour away really in another county home of james dean home of james dean home of garfield that's true <laughs> yeah, both of them uh they got a sign out there still to this day and garfield you know jim davis actually came to muncie created sure. his whole pause but, and for me, when I, when I came over when I was 21 years old, I had a choice. I could go, you know, I was back home from uh, hitting the road and being crazy, you know, and I was like, well, I could go to Marion, I could go to Anderson. You know, that Muncie's always been pretty cool. Right. And so I came to Muncie, right, because everything you just said, I didn't think I would find those other places and hadn't been out a little bit, kind of like you said, right? Sure. I, I knew these things existed. I didn't want to. Right. And I think a lot of it has to do, too, with university. Um, you have all these transplanted people coming and going. Yeah, and which bring their own bag of things that they're into and experiences. Culture, yeah, absolutely culture. But with the locals embracing that and the university embracing the local community, there's a lot of crossover there. So I never really felt like disconnect for me. And in any of these neighborhoods or places, I don't yeah. really feel disconnected from no. from, from any of it. Um, no, I, I do too. You I, know I, what I mean, this is one of the reasons I love Muncie, right? It, there is something, it, you know, like a common thread through all of it. Yeah, um, whatever it is, I can't really. Uh, articulate that. Yeah, yeah. There's a common thread in all of it, and kind of being exposed uh, to everything. Man, it's like a little microcosm. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's that's a cool intro to Muncie. A lot of uh, people here see me talk about and post about Muncie, and obviously this is where we've been investing for a long time. If you've been following this online, that the common market itself, and it is because I believe in it. Just like Jared said, that's like I said. The mission I wanted to kind of talk about, and I like what you said earlier that for you, it's not like get up and make. Uh, notes right in your no, your it's journal. Not, it's not a plan. Yeah, you and know, for me, it's an absolute. But I, I can pull a piece of paper over here that would I'm make sure you maybe is. just anxious right. looking at it, right? I mean, I but, have a plan. I have an idea in yeah. mind. Um, I, I'm not a very end goal oriented person. Yeah, I never have been. It's never been like I do X, Y, then I'll accomplish Z. Yeah. I really like living in X, Y, like the experience of doing it, experiences like this, yeah. meeting new people kind of going where the flow takes me is what I was getting at like I just random into this art store job I random into a bartending gig and just yeah. was interested in things start meeting people that I'm interested in the same things that I'm interested in and random into bands and random into yeah. records and random into touring and then went and worked in the corporate sales world for 15 years and I was totally random yeah. like we'll get back know? to that in a second like, so. you said something there that i thought is a part of probably how you got like you said you you found these passions and pursuits is being interested sure it's being right? curious so that's what got you into beer right? absolutely so so you got into beer right, like all of us did and now you're part of a team you know that has a brewery here locally in muncie how does that right i mean 
where did you even get the idea that you'd like to work in the beer business? Sure. Or in, particularly in Muncie, right? This was a, is not a typical idea. Right. Well, Muncie's so weird when it comes to craft beer specifically. Yeah, it is. Uh, Muncie's a very weird town compared to other places I've been to that have breweries or have a booming craft beer uh, culture. And the reason why is uh, because of the Farad. Yeah, in absolutely. In the early 90s, this beer hall opens in a decimated downtown Muncie where there's really nothing but drag queens and drug addicts. Yeah. Um, really. I mean, there was just not much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, the... there was a dominatrix shop and some punk rock squalor. You know? yeah. But other than that, you have the Harat Beer Hall. And uh, it's, a, it's a really a credit to Stan who brought in these great beers from yeah. all over the world. He and did. Back then, it wasn't even really crap. It was more import. And you had a few small breweries, like Sierra Nevada, was yeah, still absolutely. small, New Belgium. And so we were bringing in some of these American craft beers, but most of it was these crazy imports from all over the world. And so being a, a young adult, uh, <laughs> I should say 21, but it wasn't, but being, being a young adult. You're and, good on that now. Yeah, yeah I think, we I think statue limitations yeah. is worn out um, for all of us. But back then, like the best thing you could get craft beer wise, or what we considered craft, was like Killian's Irish Red yeah. or Honey Brown. I remember like when both those were craft beers. Right, people started, you know, yeah. at a dead show, you get them in the lot, right? Exactly. You know, honey or Brown, Newcastle Brown, yeah. you know, with the punk rock, with the punk rockers drank, and uh, so that's the kind of stuff we grew up drinking, and then being able to go into the Harat and, and having these guys in there that really knew their shit, yeah. you know, who, no, they did have a love of beer, like you're saying, and it made absolutely. a culture here. It did, and so. But it stunted the crap, the the brewery side of it, because there was really no need for it. Like all yeah. the great beer you wanted was at this place here in your hometown that was nationally, yeah, at, no, least, recognize least, it. at least, uh, uh, yeah, at least regionally recognized as a as a as a great craft import beer hall. And then when Chris and Brian left there and opened the Fickle Peach, yeah. they're bringing in a whole different thing. They went more to the American craft with Bells and Founders and, yeah. and New Belgium and bringing these American craft brewers. And so you're exposed to that. And then Joel leaves the Harat, comes out of that same breeding yeah, ground, absolutely. and opens Savages. Yeah. All so, this was about one year after I had taken over Doc. So I watched all, everything just, you're talking about, right? right. I, I watched these guys go start. Right. right? And I, I watched this downtown transformation literally from the you know the cockpit. Sure. It was and the craziest thing. So like akin to like music, man, it'd be like living in a town with like the Stones, the <laughs> Beatles, Hendrix, and like the Dead all live in your town. And you're the kid who just picked up a guitar, and it's like, what the, what the fuck am yeah, I going to bring? Say that on what am I going to bring to this? You know. And so that's where the craft beer thing. Was yeah. At. So that's a great point right there too. Right when you're talking about this, is that is a quite a, an obstacle here if you're honest about your business. Right when you're getting started. Right. I mean, there's just that niche is pretty well served. Yeah. What am I going to bring different to this community? What am I going to bring different? To the market in general, not even just in months. Was this ago. part of your guys' thinking, right, in the plan? I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I, I can't really speak for Bill and Jason. I can a little bit. Um, they were huge Harad guys. Um, I was early until Chris and Brian left, and I was really good friends with Brian and yeah. really good friends with Chris, and so we, we still support all of them, but yeah, definitely were more on that bandwagon because they're buddies of ours. And closer in age, and you know all that yeah. stuff. They're a lot cooler than Stan. Yeah, right? yeah I haven't tried to talk Stan's not against yeah. him. He was an older guy. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to support somebody, right? Right. Support people who are kind to you. And they weren't. I mean, Stan's not coming to shows. We were yeah. hanging yeah, out. Was nothing we all party together. Right? So, so we were kind of more in that vein. Uh, Kyle and I were. And so Bill and Jason started brewing at home. Um, they'll. You can. You can ask them someday, but they'll tell you. Mainly for them, it was cost driven. They were spending all this money at the Harat, doing the 100 beer car, 500 right. beer car, and they're like, man, this is getting outrageous, and kind of started looking into, like, could we brew our own? It can't be that hard to brew your own beer, and they started brewing beer at home. Uh, simultaneously, Kyle and I, separate of them, were doing the same thing, just for 
fun. Right, for the passion of brewing beer. Yeah. Like drinking it. Yeah, just yeah. fun, you know? And, like, I think I can make that, or I have an idea that I, something I haven't seen in the market. Uh, so at the time, like, Kyle and I did, which actually became a Guardian beer called Icar Moro, which was a blood orange pale ale. And I happened upon a source for blood orange and, like, hey, we should try to do this beer. And it turned out really well. And at the same time, Jason and Bill were doing all these home brews really well. And, um, like a lot of people, they had a fan club of friends who were like, hey, you should do it. You should do it. <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, you know? And so they actually had the stones uh, to open the small brewery. And Kyle and I saw that as an opportunity. Like, hey, they're already doing this. And here's, here's where we think in their business model that we could come in and do something completely different than what they're doing and add to, not necessarily improve, but add to. And we all come from different backgrounds. Me, except for the grassroots music, uh, with an art background right. and doing graphic design and marketing. I mean, yeah. as, as a band person, like it's all yeah, hustle. You, you, got, you have to market, right. whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's hustle and networking. And then working in corporate sales for 15 years, I learned those tools as well. Yeah. And then coming from a mom and pop store, art store, I learned the mom and pop world. Yeah. And I learned this corporate world and how to apply both of those to yeah, it. Yeah, they're both very important, right? They serve different functions. Absolutely. Kyle was more of a logistical guy. He's a guy you could have some wild, crazy dream, and he'll figure out how to do it. So let's bring that in. If you got a team, right? If somebody's out there and they got two or three, it's right. You need a team. Almost. Absolutely. That's what I was getting. At. But teams are hard. They are. Right? It's like being in a band. It's man. like being in a band. I tell you, it's like being married to five people, you, but you can't have makeup. You have to really learn. We can. Yeah, not with all five of them, right? You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, right? I'm not here to judge. You know, you do you. Yeah, well, I, I don't disagree, but what, what prudence and wisdom has taught me, you'll yeah. have more problems than yeah, less. I think you will. You'll go to the Fleetwood Mac. If you're listening, Fleetwood. Yeah, you'll Fleetwood Mac it. You know, they made some great things. Yeah. So. It's funny you say Fleetwood Mac. So the beautiful mess's goal was not to be the Fleetwood Mac of country music. <laughs> I, I, I shit you not. <laughs> how, how'd it work out? We're still together. That's it. Keep it up, man. And uh, if, if one day it means I could hire Mike Campbell to come be in the band. Right. Like they should accomplish. They should accomplish. Yeah, I was saying, but we all came kind of from similar backgrounds, but different backgrounds. D similar cultural backgrounds, um, but by complete happenstance. Keep, no, keep talking, I'm just grabbing yeah, coffee. Yeah, I don't know. By, by no uh, plan of anybody's, uh, we all just kind of came with something different to the table of what we brought uh, to the business and where we thought they were lacking in the business or areas they could improve on the business just happened to be that Kyle and I had strong suits. Right. Kyle had his logistical, um, more uh, engineering mind. I had more creative, artistic marketing mind. Jason, our, our, one of our main owners, um, comes from an accounting background. He's a CPA and is a... Uh, so this, but this wasn't by design. No. And just, Essentially, you're, you're talking about the core functions of a C-suite, right? Yes. You're a CEO, a CFO, Absolutely. COO. Absolutely. But we're talking really low-level, right. opening a small-time thing, and Bill was more um, uh, mechanically minded. The dude can build anything, fix anything. Did he build the brew, the brew system? He, he, the first one, yeah. yeah. The first one was definitely his design. Um, built that, and they opened the little two-barrel. Uh, system. So let's start right there because right? we're getting like practice. And I love what sure. everything you're saying is great. And it's, for, for people listening, I want them to be able to take three or four good nuggets of goodness out of here right today and go, hey, I think I know what I need to do next. Sure. And so, that, you know, going back to this, you guys, you know, the love of beer, and all you're talking about the culture that Muncie had, right? Which sure. was fostered this, you know, with the hurrah. And, and the idea for us was just having, uh, I think primarily, even if we're being honest with ourselves, it was just to have a cool place to hang out in, honestly, a boys' club. Uh, clubhouse. Yeah, you know, this is kind of the mission. Yeah. Right. Even though you're saying you, it wasn't necessarily like you know, we didn't have a goal in mind to 
be Budweiser. Yeah. Right. We still don't have that goal in mind. That's not who we are. When we first opened, it was, hey, we have a cool place in town where you can get a locally made beer. It's made here by people who live here. Yeah. And it's a, just a small place to hang out. And we were completely overwhelmed in the most best way possible by the community support that we got um, right from the get-go. And so we kind of had like an 18-month to two-year plan uh, what we wanted to do and uh, economically, financially, surpass that like month six. And that's what afforded us to move to what we're doing now. But originally started off with a two-barrel system. For anybody who's looking to get into a brewery, I think what you need to ask yourself first and foremost is really is what is your mission? What What is your goal of this brewery? Do you want to be a small nano brewery where you have one or two beers of your own? Are you going to have guest taps? Um, are you going to be open seven days a week? Are you going to distribute all this? Stuff? This is something we didn't ask ourselves. We just really hit the ground running. Which we're all guilty of right when Absolutely. we started. I mean, yeah, you didn't know any better. You yeah. know? It's just, this is but you guys you didn't come at it like that. Th- yeah, you just go for it. And so Bill built this system, and, and uh, we realized pretty immediately that it was not sustainable to where we were brewing you know, seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. We have four different people brewing. Because every time we brewed on that two-barrel system, we're only netting four kegs. So a standard keg is a half barrel. Two-barrel system gives you four kegs. And so trying to stay open seven days a week, serving beer over the bar in plastic cups, was like, hey, we can't sustain this. And actually the first two weeks uh, rolled into Thanksgiving, and we luckily <laughs> were able to use it as a guise to close for the weekend because we were out of beer. Like, yeah. we ran out of beer. Like, and there's worse problems yeah, to have. There right? is. But it's, it's a problem. Right. You know, if you're going to have a business, you have to have product. Yeah. And you have to have Absolutely. product in the market. Always a coffee shop, no coffee don't work. Absolutely. Right. And people will put up with it for a minute and say, oh, it's really good, but I can't get it. I don't, I'll quit trying. Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of able to retool what we did there and immediately started looking into how can we scale this up. And really, that's when our main focus of what mission, as far as what we wanted to be as a brewery, really came into focus. And we were able to put pen to paper and actually formulate a plan to get to where we are now. And long term yeah. as well. really necessity right it was kind of facilitated yeah oh shit we're successful and right. but do we want to stay this and there's nothing wrong with that do we want to stay this brewery do we want to stay this small nano brewery that just does this constantly rotating of, of beers in this little clubhouse setting with um, you know 45 people occupancy is that what we really want to do is that the, the end goal just to kind of do that we all have full-time jobs right we just kind of want to do this on the side as a, as a hobby I, I was all in from get-go, like, we're going to run with this, I want to do this full-time, I love it, I uh, love doing it, love being there, um, every aspect of it, um, kind of talking about my old jobs prior to that, I feel like it was every every experience that I had had leading up to that, at least career-wise, has pinnacled into this company that I'm able to take these tools that I've learned from a mom and pop and from the community stuff and from bands and from corporate world and apply all those to yeah to a, a, a real live business. Um, a great point with what you're saying there, and I did the same thing. I come in, I worked in sales, I did construction, different things that really showed me different parts of business. And so there's some people out there listening who aren't even close to being able to take the jump to business yet, right? And they're sure. still trying to get there. And from the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he talked about working in things that educate yourself, not only pay you, mm-hmm. right? Kind of what you're saying, right, is this, along the way, you, part of your education Right, it's really been these real-world experiences yeah. that you took to... And just being passionate about something, not really thinking about the paycheck or the payday, um, even if it is a hobby, 
Right. You know, whatever that may be. You know, being passionate about something is where a mission comes from. Absolutely. That is a big point. And, and that's kind of what this is. A lot of people are passionate, but right, you know, they're scared to take the jump, like you're saying. Sure. Right. And I've been that way my whole life. My mom jokes around about that. Like, that you've been scared, or you just go for it. I just go for yeah, it. My, my whole life. I didn't figure you were no, scared. No, and just super curious. I've always been, and I hope I never lose that. It's one, I think, one of my greatest assets, and I try to instill that in my children. Yeah, absolutely. It's just curiosity and trying everything. You know, that's what drives the whole mission of Right FM Mission. Right, is to be curious. Absolutely. And take action. That's a hundred percent, man. That's a hundred percent. And so I've kind of always been that way. And if I didn't know it, being ego, letting my ego down enough to be like, I don't know this. And being able to learn from somebody else, you know, if you know everything, you can learn nothing. Yeah, absolutely. So like being able to say, I, I don't know this, and then find the best people that I could find around me that did know, yeah. and learn from them. And, and I like to follow up on that. That's so true. That I, I found in business that when I finally realized I don't know, and I need to go figure it out. Yes. Right. And I need to find somebody that does know, because somebody you know does There's know. So they're much. successfully running businesses, right. and they may not know exactly what I want. But I'm going to take something from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and apply that to whatever it is I'm trying to do, for better or for worse. Yeah, generally, it's, it's one or two things that are kind of just not working, right? In a business where you're looking at it, go, man, I just need to tweak this. But if, you don't, if you've never been in the trenches, it's hard to know. Absolutely. And it's very easy to get blinders on and to have your blinders and say, this is the way we're going to do it and this is what I want and not being able to adapt and change. And especially if you're in a retail business or like, like I am. Yeah. Like I don't pick it. I don't get to choose my demographic. I don't get to choose my market. People who like our product like our product. Yeah. We can say and we say like our Res IPA is our flagship IPA because it was our first IPA that we released. But really, Rainbow Pop's probably our flagship. It's our most well-known yeah, known beer out there. And so I've been laying here in the cooler. For and so months. we don't even get to choose that. You know, what I mean, that's that's all up to you. So you got to be able to let that stuff go. That's a very interesting point, there, right? And it, you hear this within music, right? Absolutely. Artists that the single that took off, you can't that one, you're right? You know what exactly. I mean? Or just your fan base. Yeah. You know, you're going out. And you're used to playing for a certain group of fans as you as you're coming up, and you're playing in the same clubs and yeah, the same yeah. kind of people, and then. When something hits, and then the masses get a hold of it, yeah, and absolutely. then you have a whole wide variety of people that are now liking your stuff, and it may not be people that you'd really connect with, yeah, or that being in country, right? I find this you know quite often, right? That uh, some of the people that relate to my music because it's kind of anti-authority, right? It, it is punk rock sure. kind of country. Is that the people that are there? Uh, aren't always people that agree with me no. politically at all. Or people that you would even really associate with as far as like a hanging out um, situation. Which I like to think that I can associate with anybody. You know, me too. You know I, I, mean? I, think that, that, I think that's important for business side too though, is, is being adaptable and putting all your personal stuff aside. Unless you're really standing for like an activist, you're really taking a stance on something. But I'm like, so on that you ought to really think, right? I mean, when you go to take a stance on something, know that you will divide. This is what I'm saying. The crowd. And I think it's, it's admirable. Yeah. Um, but no, it will divide the crowd. Absolutely. You know, Rick Rubin said, "Great art divides." And that's true. That's one hundred percent true. Yeah, my dad just walked in, y'all. Everything good? He keep me, so I'll come talk to him in a minute. We'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, so. he's been at the hospital. All good. Just getting some testing done. Right? Dad and I uh, are the ones that kind of. Uh, my dad and I lived in this building for two years. Nice. You know, and showered down at the you know, Planet Fitness. That's right? the Mike Martin way. There is buy a business and live in it. It is, right? I mean, so, really? Yeah, so for the mission, and it is, that's what I did at Dodge. Right? 
so what you find is that the biggest expense, and this is what I was saying about the common market in general, is the biggest expense that anybody has, if you look at their household budget or their business budget, it's really the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about a household, it's just a business of a small tribe, Absolutely. right? Trying to maintain and grow some wealth. Absolutely. It, not, and not even if you're not a material person, right? Like, you know, you've grown up, like you said, if you've ever been around poverty, poverty kills. Yeah. Right? This is just a harsh reality Absolutely. of life. And I mean, we live in a world, we're in a capitalist world where you have to have, even to survive. You right. know? People love the Guardian, but the minute, right, you guys quit paying rent, yeah, 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 you're out the door. Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey, thanks for trying, right? Right. And that's what I was saying, like, our goal, like, we kind of had this finite goal of what we wanted to be, a size we want to be. Yeah. Um, and back to the beginning, somebody that's wanting to open their own brewery, first and foremost, is not necessarily your culture, not necessarily your image, or right. your vibe, or your branding, any of that stuff, but like, what is it exactly at the core that you want to bring to wherever you are, yeah. uh, to the community. And we retooled that, like I said, within the first six months and said, you know, we want to be regional, but we don't want to be Bells. We mm. don't want to grow past this point. Uh, there's a brewery out in California called Russian River, Northern California. And for years, they had the number one IPA in the world, voted uh, Pliny the Elder, most sought after beer out there. And they would release it. They only sold it there in their tap room, only in their region. Right. And people would travel there, like Mecca, to go get Pliny the Elder. Absolutely. Uh, you know? And uh, they were making plenty of money, and they had a small brew house. And multiple times were asked, like, you know, why don't you move this up and scale this up and go full mass production? And you could you could make, like, a jillion dollars. Right. And it's, you, that's too much for us. Like, we don't want to do it. We don't want to manage it. We, we're, yeah. we're comfortable where we're at. And we're running a business that we want to have, and a business that we want to be a part of. And we don't, we don't want to be a major brewery. And there's nothing wrong with being that major brewery. No, no, there's one nothing wrong with being the small two-barrel system brewery. But it's really having an idea of what it is. That Absolutely. And I think that applies to any business you're going to do, from a retail. Yeah. No. If you want to be successful, that's to, the first question, right? Is yeah. What is it, and why? But I think a lot of people get bogged down in the image of it. They get bogged mm -hmm. down in the branding. And I've got a cool logo, and I've got a cool name. And yeah. it's going to look like this, and it's like, you really got to get to the bed of it, of yeah. what it is you're wanting to do. And to bring that on to, back to like the F and Mission, like you're saying, right, it, it's just what you're saying, it, all that is important, but you know, you could go on Fiverr now and walk out with a cool logo for anything, Absolutely. right? I mean, it's just the facts of life. Absolutely. It's, what, and this is one of the things I learned in the early days the hard way, right, is if you're not built for long-term sustainability, but then you're not going to get what you want out of it. No. Right? And it's going to cause more damage and problems, more you know, emotionally even, right? Because sure. it's tough to get your ass kicked out Absolutely. there in the world. And I think you think, too, like there, there's always the flash in the pans out there in any business, mm -hmm. any world there is. Um, from what I've learned or seen or experienced, that flash in the pan seldomly has staying power. Right. And I think you're very... You know? That's what's got to get to with the mission. So what is one thing to take from this, How you guys have been five years since you've opened. Right. right. How long before you opened were I mean, you doing this in your... Collectively, you're talking of decades of brewing experience. Yeah. Uh, so I brewed uh, maybe five to eight years before even getting to a point of saying, I should open a brewery, yeah. or I should work at a brewery, or, or So you're or a whatever. decade and a half into this. Right, before, right. I, before anything even got started in, in that regard, um, let alone thinking about actually going to have a business. Because the original Guardian, although it was a business, it didn't feel like a business. And where we're at now, and not in a bad way, we are definitely a business yeah, now. You know, we have employees, people that work full time, depend on us. You know, yeah, like, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. Right? Yeah, that was one of the mistakes I made as a kid. You just like you said, your mom said you were always. Good. It was like me. I'm ready. Right? Yeah, Let's do it. Yeah. They'll have to kill us right to stop. I like that idea though, and I, I apply that to life as well too. Like indecision to me 
is like the biggest fault you could ever have. Yeah, no, absolutely. Say that again, please. Indecision is the biggest fault you could have. I would rather, because you're going to learn something from it. I would yeah. make take action. Yep. Make a decision. Yep. Hopefully nothing too nefarious, you know, but make yeah. a decision that you yeah. think is the best decision. T- make research, right? Yeah. But don't make a life of research. Right. You're going to have to take right. action before it, take it an, all looks good on paper. Yes, take an educated decision. Um, I mean, some of those are no-brainers, you know what I mean? Right. Like, don't decide, like, yeah, heroin's for me. Like, we've seen how that worked, you know what I mean? I don't disagree. Say it as a business decision or as a life decision. Make what you think's the best decision. Approach it as it's, as it's the best decision. Right. And you're going to learn whether it was or not. Yeah. Whether it was a bad decision or a good decision. And being able to adapt and change your stance on it or change your views on it or change the logistics of how it works. And you're always going to have that. Right. Even if it's the best decision in the world, Absolutely. you're always going to run into snags where you're going to have to retool and renegotiate or re-navigate what, what you're doing. And so not making a decision um, is time wasted and opportunity wasted. Um, and you can't, like you said, you're going to have to make it because to be right or wrong, you have to make it. If absolutely. you don't make a decision, you're definitely wrong. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, 100%. It's just a fact. Yeah, I mean, that's the Michael Jordan thing. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so make a choice yeah. and then attack that choice and... and adapt on the fly. Well, you know, one of the things we've done here in the neighborhood, the Plank Brothers, right? So when we got an opportunity to it, the money was very right, right? Because it's an old junk building. Sure. I mean, unless you're crazy or have a bunch of money, and I definitely don't have a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense because it needs a roof, $40,000, $50,000. But again, it makes perfect sense just if you could pull it together, right? Sure. Action. Right. And so I'm sitting there trying to make the decision, right? And I'm going through my thing, right? And I do make notes and goals, prayer, all this, and going, sure. all right, God, is this what? Should I pull the trigger? Because once I do it, right? right now I've got this cluster fuck down here. This couple acres, an old factory, right? Some kid could get hurt on it, right? Somebody. Sure. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but I have to make a decision. Absolutely. If I'm gonna get the plank brothers, but you're doing it mindfully, and I know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, <laughs> but you're funny. doing it mindfully and with good intent, and taking all the proper within your power. Yeah. Uh, you know, proper steps necessary to get to where you, where you want to be there. Um, and yeah, sh- shit will happen, man. I'm sure, yeah. and you'll you'll learn how to adapt to that. But you're doing something. Let's tie that back to what you're doing as we kind of wrap it. Now I want you to tell a little bit about what you're doing. Right, describe sure. your beers, and so when you got along the way, everything you've said has made a lot of sense. If you have, real quick, one piece of advice for somebody, and you said right, understand what you want to be. Absolutely. What would the other thing be? If you if you thought you want to be in the beer business, what is the thing that has caught you off guard? Um. No man, like I said I think again, surround yourself with people that know more than you. Yeah, um, at least it worked for me. Like I always. Well, like, that's real advice, right? I mean, if you if you come here looking for the gold, that's it. Right. right? I I always tr- I want to in life be the stupidest guy in the room. Yeah. Like always. You know? Yeah. No, I want to be the worst musician in the beautiful mess. Yeah, and holding on by the seat of my pants, right? right. Because that's what makes you better. Yeah, I can hold on, but barely, because these cats can do it. But right, um, it, it's worked for me. I'm not saying it's the best model for everybody else. Some people are naturally gifted, born with whatever gift that they have and they're able to run with it. Um, most of us aren't. Most of us are just normal people. And yeah. Well, and if you want to do something on an epic level, whether that's locally, right, like taking right. a brewery, knocking off the chain in your hometown, right, or go be, some, you're going to have to need the cooperation of a lot of people. Absolutely. A lot of people, right? Absolutely. Getting permits to deal with employees, yeah. having, you know, partners. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's 
the nature of the game. You have to be. You can't go it alone. For no, I mean, it, you'll get beat by the competition. You'll get beat by everybody. Everybody, right? Every, every everybody's the competition, yeah, then, right? Life, life. Yeah. Everybody's competition. Yeah. If you go, and it's alone. just not sustainable. It's not. It's not for your own personal health, your own personal well-being. Right. It's not sustainable. I'd like to think I outwork everybody, but it's. No. I mean, that's it, my mantra, right? You know what I mean. That being said, I feel. It. Yeah, but you know? I can't do it by myself. Even at, at 80, 90 hours a week, I still need a whole team right. of people that know a hell of a lot more than me to guide me and help me and assist me. Or that's a great point. Again, just so we're to 80, 90 hours a week. That wouldn't be enough if you had to do it on your own. No. Yeah. Now we're to a point now to where we're working pretty normal week out. You know, right. working. Normal hours. But How many eighty-hour weeks did you put in the first five years? Oh, geez, man! <laughs> like, uh, especially moving to the new place here, um, there were a lot of sixteen, eighteen, nineteen-hour days. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking about we're building this place, and you know, we did have a construction company that came in and built a good majority of of the infrastructure stuff. Um, but as far as the finishes, the painting, the logos, right. building the actual brewery itself—that's um, all the stuff that we, you know, did, yeah. bought this equipment, and it comes in on a flatbed truck and. Yeah, <laughs> figure it out. It's yeah. real. It's here. Yeah, uh, and, and, you're, and, and no, it's not put together. No, right? not at all. That's where Bill came in, super handy, and his dad, uh, who passed away last year. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing rest that. Soul, but uh, he was a facilities guy for for years and worked in factories as a as a uh, facilities coordinator, and so did Bill himself. And so they, I mean, they're gotcha. They're so. electricians. They're plumbers. I mean, they know all of this stuff. Yeah. And so huge for us, huge asset, huge cost savings. Uh, from hiring a plumbing company, hiring oh. an electrician company, these guys are certified to work for us. Yeah, who are able able to do no, that. That is huge, right? And so that, that's one of the ways that you know any small company, right? You have to bootstrap somewhere. I mean, you got to know what you don't know. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. But if you got some people in there that do know, right? That's a game changer. It's a huge game changer. That's what I was saying from the get go. We all kind of assembling that team, even though for us it wasn't uh, a conscious choice to assemble that team. Uh, I guess in some regards, a conscious choice for me seeing a whole. And saying, hey, I, I know this guy, this guy, and this guy who could do that really well, and I do this really well, and you guys do this really well. Why don't we all do this together? Because Kyle and I could have very easily, because we were kind of in the same uh, precipice of where they were, we we're going to open our own brewery. Right. And then once we saw our friends doing it, it was like, what's the point? Like, why would we open another one when we could kind of super group it or Voltron yeah. uh, this, this brewery here and bring what we bring to the table? And just having those people on your team has helped us just. Tremendously. You guys made a major impact, man, on uh, downtown, right? I appreciate mean, that. And, you know, it's now runs, you know, from Madison to almost the campus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's an unbelievable success story, downtown Muncie. People who talk about I said, man, you know, you're not looking at it, right? Go back and look at a 20-year-old picture of downtown. Oh, yeah. And look at today. It is an unbelievable Night success and day story. different. And still growing. Yeah, it's, it's still, not done still growing. Absolutely. You know, you have, now you have these software companies moving in. Well, that's why I'm out here, right? Is when, like you talk, coming no back from Charleston. We're on the east side of downtown. Absolutely. There's no room. Well, and that's so exactly what you know I did here is coming back from Charleston. I've shared this everywhere. Right? Like, this isn't a trade secret of what we do. And why the real estate we do is looking at downtown Muncie, and I've got the Muncie Map Company map right Find over the here. peripheral. Yeah. Because there's only one way to go, and that's out. Yeah, and so, yeah, if you look around, there are five areas that actually touch downtown Muncie. And other than that, there's no more. Right. Right. So you guys are on the one side, which Cornerstone and Majax basically have. Right. Elm you got Street. Elm area, and, and you know, Bill is you know, dominating that Absolutely. area. Absolutely. 
the government and all the big money businesses now software companies, right? Yeah. So now the prices are through the roof. Absolutely. A couple hundred thousand dollar buildings you go through all, and, which is a great thing. Absolutely. Right? But the 100, 200, 300, 400 block of Walnut, right, is off the chain. Yeah. And in a great way. Can't afford it. No. I mean, believe me, I was down there before it was cool. I know what, uh, you know what that is. And right. that was back then it was expensive. Sure. Today it's real money, right? I mean, back then you had a cool punk rock bar. I live in a shitty apartment across the street. Uh, yeah. You know, for free if we did the work. Yeah, so they literally good. had no walls. Like, and there was only three business, right? This was before the peach, before Saturday. Like literally, like yeah. that happened right at this time. Yeah. But it was Docs, the Rot, Vera Mays, and the Blue Bottle Coffee Shop and across the street. Yeah. The whole downtown. Yeah. Was, you know, it really. We was. lived above the Blue Bottle. Yep. And, and <laughs> had to put new drywall and floors in, live for free. Uh, if we paid for it, so we renovated that basically. Yeah. My roommate and I. And now I think it rents for like something like twelve hundred dollars a month or something. You know, I think it's a lot more than that. I probably. think <laughs> from what I'd so, heard. Yeah, probably so. Uh, so doing that, if you and this is one of the things. If anybody's out there listening, that I encourage investment in Muncie. Right, one of the reasons I want to have you on here because your guys' investment is you know very obviously making a huge impact, and that's how sure. we'll wrap it up. What that what Guardian is is Muncie makes sense to invest in. Absolutely. People bitch about oh you know all these out of state people coming and buy the property. Well, like there's a reason. Not because they like Muncie. Right. Right? It's because it makes money, serious money. Sure. Easily because they're buying it so pennies on the dollar for real property. Right. And that's a sad story, too. I mean, it's where that came from, but it's reality. Right. And it's reality all across the country, the, the rust belt, the manufacturing. Yeah. Um, times have changed, you know, and you look at software and technology and, and, and yeah. medical, that's that's more where we're going now. And so you can either embrace that or you can, you can buck against it. And you see communities around here that have bucked it and, and you're yeah. saying like Marion for instance like there's Absolutely. nothing against Marion but no. there's just nothing there anymore and no if you go to the, just compare the two downtowns it's like you're looking at two different countries it's it's Marion's where Muncie was 20 years ago down, downtown yeah absolutely um, I think the, again the university's helped with that a lot you have people that come through with new eyes yeah. and see potential like you say investors even come in and see like oh right, like AccuTech right abs, I mean somebody abs. said this man this is where I want to put our company dude we'll kill it and if you bought that company in Indianapolis, you're probably talking about five million dollars, where they probably paid five hundred thousand. Oh, easily. You know what I mean? And you look at, like not to get too much into profits or money or fiscal responsibility, but I kind of touched this on a minute ago about the flash in the pans. Like you have to have a sustainable business model, right? And part of that sustainable business model is your working capital and your cash flow. It's so important. And it has to be sustainable. And I say this all the time. Like for us, we could have a beer that pops off. We have whatever. 500 cases of it and it pops off and we sell it all in one day that's a great problem to have but now i have to replenish that and the faster that i sell that the faster i have to replenish which takes it, more money which takes more money right. and you're spending more money more frequently and so we are our whole motto and this really has been true from day one right. is slow sustainable growth we want to have slow incremental growth two three hundred percent growth a year wow that's amazing we're not really looking for that. We want that slow, sustainable growth. Right. We want to build a grassroots brand. We want uh, to learn and grow. We want to get our craft better. Um, we're better today than we were a year ago yeah. as far as our quality of our, of our product. Yeah, absolutely. And constantly improving that product, improving um, logistically, improving how it gets to market, improving um, not just profitability, but as far as the brand itself, improving the graphic design, improving the image, the look, the brand, yeah. the mission. And constantly retooling and improving that and being making it to be sustainable, basically. You know, uh, we'll wrap it up on there and have you talk about the beers because th that's exactly one. And this is the first episode, you know, and it's for people on a mission. Those missions are very different, right? depending on what you said, wherever you're at, do what you do. Well, I, 
I mean, they say be the change you want to see. Yeah, and I, painted on the side of the building. I, I would almost say be the cool that you want to see, man. If you think yeah. something's cool and you don't have it in your community or you don't have it in your hometown, you don't have it in your neighborhood, wherever you are, do the cool thing. Yeah. Uh, chances are, if you don't do it well, no one's else has seen it anyways. You know what I mean? So that's, that, that's, that's all they that's know. That's part of the FM way, right? Is yeah. fail forward. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, that's literally paint on the side of the building, right? I know. The change you wish to see. And it's, it's true, just like we said, right? There is take the time. And what I learned from the docs and, like I said, this idea of sustainability is what I used to try to do in two years was really should have been ten years. Mm -hmm. And I was just naive. And eager. And and a lot of things, right? Then I appreciate that. Thank you. you. You've always said that about docs. Like, man, don't forget it was really cool. It was cool. And it was fun. And and a lot of us cut our teeth teeth there, yourself included. Um, That being said, right, that wasn't the point. So you have to also, the mission, and to do the mission, it has to be sustainable. Absolutely. So my investment in this community, a lot of people are, this is year six, you know, that I've been down here living, invested, right, in this part of town. And it just seems like, oh, yeah, they're down there doing that thing. But it took years of living in this building, right, to get there. And and a 10-year plan, I'm killing it. Right. On my two-year plan, I'm mad as hell. (laughs) You know, I'm frustrated. I wish I could do a lot more. But But you're showing growth. And if you look at year six, yeah. Where you're at, come where you were year one, and really put it into perspective. And you're yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, it's I've amazing. Done, we've done so much. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a great, and that's it, slow, sustainable growth. And so I guess that's just where I wanted to end off on kind of the business portion of it. That's what, one of the other things, right? Is really put the due diligence in to understand. And you said it's so one of the thing, everybody hates to talk about money and cash flow, but again, if you've got a real, real mission, right. right, you're going to be setting a wishing soon because you know you can't do it. Right? Absolutely. I've been involved in so many of these over the years. The, the most good-intended, well-hearted do-gooders in any community trying with all their heart, but there's just no resource. No. Right? And you can't sustain the fire long enough if everybody burns out. This Absolutely. happens over and over. Absolutely. Noam Chomsky has a great thing about it. Right. That, that's why change never happens. A generation of change makers come up, then they get old. Mm-hmm. Then the next generation comes up and acts as if they have no idea what the generation before was just doing. Of course. And they start just handing out flyers. Right. Tell me, you know, and so that doesn't work. They're right? not building upon what came before them. No, exactly, right? They're not. And so to me, that's kind of what we're doing here is we're talking about how to build upon, right, what came before us because that's what's sustainable. That's Absolutely. what Ball State does. We talk about that even as a business, and sometimes it's more nostalgia or more hopeful, but none of us have a child that's above middle school age, and we've talked about this from day one, right. like, how cool would it be if we can keep this thing going long enough if any of our kids ever wanted to get into this, yeah. to where they grew up in a brewery and taking over a brewery and keep that going yeah. long-term, building upon what we built upon, changing the business however they yeah, want Maybe one of them you want to say, you know what, I do want to take it national because right. I can build upon what my dad did. Sure, and that's just not something we want to do. And you know we have, and we're getting older as well. Yeah. So um, we kind of have a, a plan for where we want to be and where we want to go, and just are making decisions towards that plan essentially yeah. until it doesn't work anymore. Now, right, <laughs> then adapt and overcome. Adapt right? and overcome. That's right. Well, uh, thanks. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting with Jared Case from Guardian Brewery, and again, just sharing some great insight. And everything you said is stuff I've learned either the easy way or the hard way. Most of Most it the hard of way. The hard way. Yeah. The easy way, all this came from a boss of mine when I was. He said, Mike. You don't have time to make all the mistakes yourself. Learn from somebody else's mistake. I promise you, it will cost you too much to make them all yourself. And so that's, for the listener, what you get from this is, you know, same as me, I've made a ton of mistakes. You know, five years into it, you got all this beer here, you're doing something right. Sure. Take that insight, 
and learn from you know guardians mistakes get into learn from and our mistakes don't be afraid to make your own mistakes you know learn from those mistakes make your own mistakes just be able to overdapt yeah. or to adapt to those and to try to overcome those be open um, I think a lot of people close themselves off in life be it yeah. personally or or professionally uh, they get the blinders on this this is what I want it to be and that works for some people but the majority of us it doesn't you have yeah. to be able to adapt not long term right not long term. and even 10 years isn't that long it's not yeah. it's getting a lot shorter the older <laughs> I get I get that yeah. And when you said about being willing to be wrong, I think that's a great spot to end it is you cannot be right every time. This is part of making decisions, right? Yeah. But you have to make the decisions. And what you do is try to not make the wrong decision sure. more often, right? Right. You, know, you can't be right every time, but you can certainly be not dead wrong. Sure. Right? Well, there's times too you make a wrong decision and it ends up being a blessing and ends up being the right decision. Right. But you would not know that if you didn't take action. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... So, so tell us what you got the beers lined up here. For one thing, find you online. Yeah, you can find us at www.theguardianbrewingco.com. We're on Facebook, The Guardian Brewing Co. I've we're links on to all that. Instagram, here. Twitter, yep. Grinder. We're not really on Grinder. <laughs> we're, we're on all the social media stuff, uh, posting daily um, and new stuff out there all the time. Uh, we do a standard eight beer lineup, is what we normally carry in house. Uh, this is your business model? Yep. Yeah. So we have eight house beers and we rotate anywhere. Um, outside of those, we have the eight on all the time, and then we keep anywhere from 14 to 20 beers totals. So we'll have anywhere you know from 10 to 12 different um, rotating seasonals. Uh, still, we still do our research and development crew, right. so we still do some R&D beers. I want to get out of that group. Experimental beers, and uh, that, that's always fun for us as well. And so we keep those going in house. We don't distribute those typically. Uh, those are done in house. We do some draft distribution uh, to bars and restaurants with some of our small batch stuff, but all of our eight main beers. Um, are available all year round. We're working really hard to get those eight into cans full time. Uh, so that'd be our Rainbow Pop, uh, which is a New England Pale Ale, light, fruity. Uh, we do our Frank Coffee Stout, which we partner with the Caffeinery yep. here, here in Muncie. Uh, Frank, the owner there, does a free bean blend for us. That was one of the first beers. So that's we actually made from Caffeinery coffee. beans. Yeah, yeah awesome. It's a, it's a blend he does for us. We do ours a little differently than uh, most breweries that do a coffee beer. We actually cold brew coffee with beer instead of water. And so that's how we end up with, with, ah, with this beer it. here. So it's not a blend. It's not we're making coffee, making beer, blending them together. We actually make the You're coffee. actually cold brewing coffee cold with beer. With beer. I'm yeah. getting ready to start having cold pressed coffee here in the keg, making it and reselling it. Nice. So we'll get into this. Yeah. I want to pick your brain about some keg stuff at some point. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we have that beer. Uh, we just came out with our Hayes Stupid, which we've had in-house forever. It's our uh, house New England IPA. And that's available in cans full year round now, too. We have our flagship IPA, West Coast IPA which is the Res IPA, uh, our beauty school dropout. So originally we opened, we were in Amber's Beauty College. Yep. That's actually the first thing I brought to the Guardian. They had, Amber's? They, well, they had a beer in Amber, and I forget what it was called now, something not good, not a very good name, Yeah. and uh, came in literally day one, and me being me, was like, yeah, we're changing the name of that beer. And I didn't even work for these guys. It was just buddy. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're changing it. And so we changed it to Beauty School Dropout. It was an old beauty school. Yeah, absolutely. It was an Amber Ale. If you're from Muncie, you know Amber. It was called Amber's. It just all made sense. And so Beauty School Dropout, our Amber Ale, um, obviously a Grease reference there with the Beauty School Dropout. But, uh, <laughs> that beer is available in cans all year round. And then our Five Dots, Vidal Porter. And the Five Dots is a little nod to, to Shed Town. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the Shed Town Dots. And so a uh, little nod to where Jason and I grew up at. Um, we do Charlie Cream Ale. Uh, which you saw in Ball State at uh, the stadium yeah. and at the arenas. And we partner with them now, uh, one of their sponsors uh, for the sports season. Yeah. Now they can do alcohol sales. And so they're selling Charlie as well as 
a few other beers they have in house there as at well. At Ball State Stadium. Yeah, at the stadium and at the Growing up here, could you imagine you'd ever no. make a beer being at Ball State Stadium? No. Sure, that's cool. There's shit. a lot of things I don't believe that I'm like, yeah. pinch yourself sometimes. Um, and then one of our seasonals we just came out this year, it's been a crowd favorite for years. This is actually the second beer that Kyle and I brought to the Guardian from our research and development. It's an old world style Goza, yeah. which is an old That's German how you say style. that, Goza? Yep. Yeah. And it's a sour uh, and salted beer, which sounds like a margarita to us. So yeah. we took this, the, the uh, inspiration there and did the margarita, margarita Goza. We've offered that in draft for years. It's been such a huge hit for us that this year we decided to bring it out in, in cans, so that's yeah, available so now. We're doing some more small batch can stuff, so. Is there a reason you chose cans? I had actually read this uh, down in Asheville at Catawba Brewing, why they do it. So yeah, was, absolutely. We actually did a virtual beer tasting last night, like a Zoom meeting yeah, yeah. with the company, and the same question came up. It's multifaceted. Uh, the biggest reason is it's the closest you can get to draft beer. So a keg is just a giant can. Yep. and so That's what they say right on the wall in yeah, Catawba. Yeah, so we go into the cans there, because it's as close as you can get to draft. Um, the number one enemy of beer is oxygen. Yep. And so and light, want, right? Uh, light too, but mainly oxygen. You don't want a beer to be oxygenated. It'll make it go stale quick. Um, you'll get like a cardboard. That's what people think of the um, being. A, what do you call it when they use skunked? Yeah. Right? Well, that's light struck. That's light struck. So light struck is skunked. It's skunked. Uh, cardboard taste is what you get if it's oxygenated. You get cardboard, wet, papery. Yeah. Um, we can talk off camera. I can tell you some beers. Global. I mean, they're national, not local. National beer companies. Their beers always taste like that and because they're oxygenated and they're in bottles. And then bottles, even tinted bottles, make beers light struck. Light's the number two enemy. Yeah. That'll make a beer taste skunky. Like uh, Heineken in the United States always tastes yeah, skunky. Yeah, absolutely, they do. Because in green bottles, and by the time you know it gets to market, it's already been light struck. Yeah. Um, and so that's the main primary reason. You get into some of the logistical stuff, but like net weight, yeah. uh, glass bottles weigh more. Yeah. Um, shipping's expensive. Yeah. You can ship more product in cans because aluminum's lighter. Yeah. Uh, you get into cost of cost of aluminum per cost of the um, so what I'm running with the cold pressed coffees we're looking at bottles I got this one here that just the idea right the, the right. hammer but Matt the bottle is your biggest expense absolutely is absolutely. that the same in beer uh, it's not um, our, our biggest expense is our brew house I mean first and foremost yeah. you know, like, you're still paying on that um, but as far as getting product to market your canning and labeling is, is definitely definitely a, one of the major expenses yeah um, is there anything you can do about it what, what have you found the, the best thing to find some great companies out there that offer bulk pricing yeah. um, develop a relationship develop a relationship right. we buy everything in bulk so you know we're able to thankfully and when we started out we weren't yeah we had to get to that point the, right, these are one of the things you talk about cash flow right? yeah it's not like you didn't know you could buy in bulk right, right? you just, just couldn't, couldn't afford it <laughs> it's just good and so creating that product getting out to market so now we can buy cans in bulk we can buy lids in bulk yeah buy labels in bulk so you guys can it right there in house we do so we, we use a company called ideal canning they're on plainfield indiana yeah. they're a mobile canning unit and uh, the owner there, Del Goins, great guy. Um, he was just kind of getting his business off the ground around the same time we kind of were. And, was, and this is what he does? He goes to yeah, service canning? Yep, and he kind of was beating the pavement. I think he had one other customer uh, when he came into our place. And yeah. he was like, I'll make you a great deal, make you a great deal. And I just, hey, I don't have the cash flow, man. I can't, it, if it's not a great deal unless it's free, is what I told him. <laughs> yeah, it, yes. it, it, it's a testament to him, because he was like, I'll tell you what, man, I don't have any business and I want to get off the ground and I'll do your first five barrels for free if you buy the cans and the labels. And we were like, all right. And so yeah. we bought the cans and labels, and then we were able to take that money that we made off that first five yeah. barrels, literally took that cash flow, put it in a separate account, 
that went into our next canning run, and then the right. second canning run went into our third, yeah. into our fourth, and we still kind of do that. Yeah, so. to go on that real quick too is I, one of the things I think that the brewery business works, why you see it duplicated across the country, is because once you get it down, it's not a complex business model, right? Is you come down pretty quickly to oh, this: is how much it costs me to produce a can of beer, right? Right. Yep. And from there, you can make real numbers, right? That's the due diligence we talk about. So, okay, I have to sell X beers at X price, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and part of doing that is just like you said, well, you can't just take that money and run, right? You've got to go buy more beer. Absolutely. And that, yeah. that's hard to it do. never ending. Yeah. Like it's, it's Right. It never goes away. Ne- there's never going to be a day where we're Scrooge McDucking on a pile of money, you know? Like, yeah, we're always going to take that money, reinvest it back to the business to grow uh, to the to the next to the next phase. When you say maybe one of the, the hardest lessons learned in business is that is that it, the pig is never full, right? No. I mean, you think maybe one day one and it just ne- every time you get there, there's more. oh yeah, fuck, I gotta buy all my beer again, right? Right? Well, there's yeah. ten grand, right? We talked about this off mic when I first got here, and I kind of made a comment that you realize the fragility of of all of this of, of the yeah. society that we live in, and you think you think of these companies, and there are anomalies and there are exceptions to the rules. But you look at these companies like an Anheuser-Busch, we stick with just beer, yeah. um, or Miller Coors, or, or whatever. You're seeing shortages of those. I was at liquor stores yesterday on sales calls, and like they're having trouble getting those beers uh, because these plants are shut down. Even those large companies still operate under a small, pretty small profit margin. And Absolutely, they so do. They can't sustain two months of being closed. They can't sustain two months without, without no. business any more than... No, mom absolutely. and pop can no, sustain it because the, they have more employees. They have yeah, more the ratio overhead. is pretty much the same, it's, right? Because exactly, there, there's not, and this is one of the things that people mistake in business. Right? They think it's some magic thing, right? It's not. It's, it's not. a very small, like you said, profit margin in the end is what it's all about, right? Because you can go broke making a lot of money, right? right? Absolutely. And so, if you have a multi-billion-dollar company, chances are you have a multi-billion-dollar debt or a multi-billion-dollar investment yeah. into that company Payroll. to make those the multi-billion-dollar. Um, profits, um, and that goes back to being aware and a conscious choice of what you want to be. Um, do I want to be this multi-billion-dollar thing with this multi-billion-dollar price tag, yeah. uh, with the multi-billion-dollar stress, or do I want to be in the hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars, right. or do I want to be even less than that? Do I want to be? Because there's definitely there's definitely a market for that in whatever facet that you're into, um, from being the common. Uh, market here on the corner yeah. compared to Kroger. Absolutely. Uh, Village things. Pantry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that would be something you, we'd be aching to on the corner store idea. Right. Um, and so knowing exactly what it is you want it to be and being okay with that and having real goals, attainable goals. Yeah. I think that's a lot of lofty a lot of people come in with a real lofty idea. Yeah. You start a band when you're in high school and you're going to be the Beatles. Yeah. And it's like, Absolutely. We all did, right? Yeah. I, I was, of course. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, you're going to be lucky to be the beautiful mess. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean it, really. That, that took me 20 years. Yeah, exactly. I could You know? Yeah. It's so true. It, it's been uh, in that way. Like I said, Jared and I met years ago in the the, the rock, you know, world of my a cool spot because of the campus right downtown. There. You were chubbier, I was skinnier. We both had full dark hair. Now That's I'm true. fat. You got more grays. That's why I'm letting it go. I still got it. I figure one more time to grow it That's out. That's the only thing I have going for me, man, is I still have a full head of hair. So And just what he said there, it's along the way, right, there's been a lot of growth, a lot of loss, a lot of learning, a lot of humbling, a lot of cool, cool things. Man, that, like you said, sometimes I pinch myself and go, Man, did I really get to do that? Seems like a different life. Yeah, like a different world, right? I, like a whole different life. But just like we said, pursuing a passion, a mission that really drives me, 
I find a lot of fulfillment, right? That, that's what makes me love doing absolutely. what we do. Stick at it, this man. Yeah. Stick at it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That was Walt Disney's thing. They said the thing that Walt Disney had more than anything was stick to it. Yeah. Just, right? When it's too made up his mind. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like at, at all costs. That's one of the things you helped teach me back in the day. Something like, my grandpa used to say to me when I was a little kid, and back to decision making, I'm going to save how much you're building. And I've kind of stuck with this for years. Is he's always say, "Well, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're not going to take your birthday from you." Yeah. And I think I've always kind of stuck with that. Like, I'm gonna make a decision. Worst case scenario, I still have a birthday. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, me too. That's what an old yeah, mentor taught me. And he said, "Mike, they can't eat you." Exactly. Just remember yeah. that. They're not going to eat you. And you may have to sit there and, and especially if you dream big, right? Like for me, is one of the things I realized along the way is sometimes when the failure would kick my ass is like. Mike, it's not like you're trying to right, make a little clubhouse down the road. Right. You say you want to change the world. Well, get ready for the world to kick you right, right. back and say, hey. You Embrace know? the suffer, man. Yeah. Because like, you're going to have some suffer, and you're going to have That's uh, it. nothing's ever going to go your way all the time, man. And you've got to be able to yeah. know it's temporary and make a different decision the next time. Yeah. Deal, so. We talked about Michael Jordan, right? Got cut from the team of freshmen, and, and they talked about one of the things about him. He shot, and I don't know the exact number, but a stupid amount of free throws every day. Right. right? I mean, like, I will get, I'm determined. Yeah. Suffering, right? Just yeah. sit out there one after the other. Right. But you know, the rest is history, right? Absolutely. So for Michael, for MJ, right, as a couple old men, right? There you go. We grew up watching the man, right? right? I saw it live. <laughs> right? You know, again, Jared Case from Guardian Brewery. This is the first episode, and this is what I hope to bring to you guys, some real value in the conversations about how to build things, whatever that is, that's a brewery, a band, a common market. Right? Whatever it is. A mission, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, if. And uh, we were talking about it uh, earlier. We, we said we weren't going to get into politics. I'm so glad we didn't. Yes, right? agreed. But you talked about the fragility, and you said, and I said, what is the, you had mentioned that um, self-sacrifice? Right? We talked about this. Sure, before. self-serving. And that so, most people are by nature. We right, we both agree. We have this tendency sure. also. But <laughs> there's nothing more American than the idea of being self-sacrificing for the cause. And I don't think that's all true, right? In, in the books, that's altruistic and sure, romantic. That's right. not in reality to right, charge the front line of any, no. I don't care what the revolution is, Absolutely. that's not fun. No, it's not. But you, you talked about a um, kind of a dedication. You, you had a, a word or a saying you said that when I brought that up. Oh, I have no idea what I said, Mike, I don't remember. Was, I know what we were talking about. And I, was, I think self-serving comes with a negative connotation. It's something that people hear and you think it's always like this selfish regard or this um, self-indulgent, me, 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 me. Yeah. And like self-serving is not always bad. Um, what we do as a brewery is self-serving. We wanted to create this thing that we wanted to have here that we could be a part of. But also with the self-serving side of it, there's a huge give back to the community. A yeah. huge, um, just aside from having a place for other people to enjoy and giving well, something. A place for me to come play once. Right? Yeah. I mean, all that, that, all that stuff as well as community partnerships. Like I talked about with Frank and the caffeine yeah. and we work with the queer chocolatier. Ball State. Ball State yeah. and United Way and Big Brothers and Big Sisters and um, the Tri-Kappa Girls and Muncie Street Outreach. And these are all things that we wouldn't have been able to do without this right. business. A platform. I, I wouldn't have a platform to do yeah. it. I wouldn't have an outlet to do that. And so it is self-serving in the regards that it's something we want to do, it's something we think is cool, and something we want to have for ourselves. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that, and we're also sharing that with, with everybody else. And I think whatever it is that you're into, that self-serving attitude, people, uh, the charity. Yeah, there's a huge self-serving element to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? 
even if it's a humble, that's okay. Even if it's humble, it makes you feel something. Even if you're not right. No, that's okay. Hopefully, you, you're not the person filming it and putting on Facebook that you did something great. Uh, but at the end of the day, it makes you feel good. Right. That you you've done something for these people and you feel like you're doing your part. Uh, right. Being even if it gives you worth in life. Right. This is what you need to feel like it's okay. Absolutely. Or you just yeah. feel like it's it's the right thing to do and you're the person who's doing the right thing. There's still a self-serving aspect yeah. of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think people maybe get caught in that guilt sometimes. And it, if I, am I doing these things for the right reasons? Yeah. Uh, type of thing. You know? and, and I would say that, you know, at the end of the office, I mean, this for me is about my own personal growth, right? The mission, sure. keep it inspired. But that's the idea of sharing it, right? Is with everybody else to take that for, but it's self-serve, right? Because, and it's the same thing with where we're sitting here for the podcast. This whole, the common market is because I need a studio to record all my music. <laughs> right, right? This is right. just the facts. Right. In doing that, other musicians will also get to use this platform, as you said, to do all that right. and take the experience we bring to the table. And the market part is literally just about self-sustainability. Sure. Right? If the market pays for itself by the simple corner store, right, then I can focus on serving more artists. And you're also serving a community that's a food desert. Yeah. You're also serving a, you know, you're having employees that might not yeah. have a job elsewhere. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. Absolutely. And there's a lot of good that comes out of as well uh, from your from your self-service. Yeah, but all that being said, right, it's because I wanted this. Absolutely. Right? Just like you're right, I want a mission. I, I want a studio like this. Right. So one right. of my missions Most is, things out there are that way. You know, somebody wanted everybody's it and they did way. it. Absolutely. This is the nature of life. This is literally why ancient stories work, right? You can read the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible. You can read old ancient um, Knights of the Templar text. Sure. The story's always the same, right? The yeah. hero's journey. Right. You have to go face the dragon. Right. right? The dragon's a bad, bad dude, and you're going to get burned. <laughs> right. That's you know? a fact, Jack. But in the end, right, if you face the dragon, you stand the fire, right, eventually you get there. You get refined. Right. You right? get something. Yeah. You get something. You get something. That's right. It might just be a good story. <laughs> it might be all you get at the end. It's you know, a good story. There's a lot of good stories that make this up. Yeah, that's true, man. So, Jared, for me, part of what you're doing is the same mission of making Muncie something we believe in, right? It's not, and maybe it is so certainly for it. both of you. Yeah, I already believe in Muncie. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I already yeah. believe in it. Um, and, and I take this to, if I wasn't from Muncie, I'd believe in wherever else I was from. Um, right. Or wherever, the, wherever else I was. Right, you just, just have to be in Muncie. I have that mentality um, If I just, I want, I do stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious and I do stuff and, and. <laughs> Wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing it. So. You know, this is part of that culture that makes me, you know, love Muncie and be a part of it too, right? Is that it's a place where I can do these things, right? Just sure. like you're saying, right? There's breweries and there's these things that often are the th like when you know Docs closed. Why I left Muncie to right go out and make some money playing music is because there wasn't right these things here then, right? You know, in a lot of other, and and so it does. It makes a big impact, and that's what uh, our call out to you. If you have a mission, you know. Get serious about it. Take your time. Do the diligence, yeah. right? D don't jump into it. But at some point, get you, serious and do it. Jump into it. Yeah, yeah. at some point, just do it and jump right. in. And um, again, you know, you can get a hold of Jared online, all that stuff. I'm sure he'd be glad to Absolutely. answer any questions if you have something. Say, Absolutely. hey, I want to connect from this interview. You know, fmmission.com. I plan to start releasing these about one a week or so. And uh, my next one, I've got Barry Banks from the Red Tail Land Conservatory coming. And I also have Dustin Ward, a friend of mine, who started a CBD business. Had never heard of pyramid schemes. Right. And ran out to the market, world. Market, what is it? Multi-level Multi marketing. Multi-level marketing. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's in the CBD business. And so much like you, I'm going to ask you, how did this go? Right? And he's going to tell us his story. He was a door guy. Uh, fell into now. it. <laughs> fell into it. Fell into it. Yeah. And, uh. But what I liked about him, I told him I, I'd watched him do it, and the same thing, like, you know, the years over, you know, kind of getting to know your, you know what you're about, and that is Dustin was about getting his family free. 
Sure. And I watched his journey online, and I started going, oh, Dustin's in the multi-marketing business. You know, I'm seeing him go through this, and I see him fight through it, right? Kind of the ass kick as it comes with something sure. like that. And so I want to pick his brain. But how did you go? I mean, everybody would love a check in the mail for $2,500, $3,500 a month. Of course. Right? It didn't come without work, though. And it didn't come without sacrifice. Yes, and that's what we're going to talk to him about. Sure. Because for two years, it had to be embarrassing, yeah, right? Sure. Hard to ask yeah. people. Yeah. You want to look at this? Fuck no. Yeah. Get out of my house. <laughs> exactly. Door to door pencil salesman, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with a door to door pencil. There is nothing wrong with it. It's a yeah. tough, it's tough gig. Mike, thanks for having me. Yeah. I very much appreciate it. To the Guardian Brew Co., I mean, all of you guys, it's really amazing stuff. Thank you. As uh, Jared knows, I don't drink anymore. If it was, I'd be getting one of these two. I'd, I'd try the others. We but these he'll have two, them all. He can hand them out to his friends. I will. I'll have some beers to give away. You can trade me good coffee. Every episode, because of my love for coffee and not drinking, right. I'm trying different coffee. So we did the Death Wish. It's a very uh, um, popular coffee. What would you think good. of it? It was good. Sweet. Uh, not super roasty. Yeah, much sweeter than I thought. Uh, I, I tend to go for a darker coffee. Me too. That's but what I, I was... definitely guzzle two glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so two cups down, so... So again, next week we'll probably uh, get a. There was one. Um, there's a Ch old Chicago coffee company. You ever heard of this? Mm -hmm. So I just been looking up coffees. I right? look them up and trying to get them to send them here for the, the thing. And sure. So uh, the old Chicago coffee company. That'll be one of the next ones I do. And then uh, we'll get into some local coffees, all kinds of stuff soon. Oh, cool. But this is what I want to do. You always showcase people doing things, like you said. Well, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you uh, letting me have the honor of being your first guest. Yeah. It's all uphill from here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks y'all for tuning in. Go on and check it out, fmission.com. And we got it.